Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here in the BetMGM studios. Today, Braxton Berrios joins the pod, and I want to put an emphasis on the official Jets podcast. EA and I are donning the Blazers in the studio today. I feel like we're really dressed up, funny guy, because (laughs) today is the day where we do our television shots as well, so... Uh, a heavy day inside the studio, and I don't feel bad because Braxton Berrios, he dresses up for the occasion, so we matched him. Fair enough, except Braxton Berrios today was in T-shirt, and I, I don't know what he was wearing for his, his pants. I assume just a pair of shorts or something like that, although it is getting <laughs> a little no, silly. I, I have no idea, yeah. <laughs> CDC know, guidelines, we're not even in the same side of the building yeah yeah, we're we're lucky to be in the same zip code as Braxton Berrios and I think fans are really going to enjoy this episode because Braxton Berrios is a very interesting guy decorated career at Miami and I don't know he just kind of pegs me as a guy that if he wasn't in the NFL would kind of live in Brooklyn and just go to his local coffee shop and grind his own coffee beans he just kind of has that vibe to him I think he'd be living in Miami if he wasn't playing yeah, the NFL. I, yeah, oh, well, that's fair. He's a Miami guy. Maybe he'd be in Miami going to his local co- local coffee shop there. Hey, and going to the gym and, and getting after it. And The guy, anybody who played college athletics at a Division One program, football nonetheless, at the U, mm-hmm. who had a 4.0 and was a dual major and a valedictorian, Oh, my God. You're talking about somebody who is multidimensional. <laughs> yeah, and Braxton Barrios, multidimensional for the Jets. Last year, primary kick returner, or punt returner, should I say, second in the NFL in punt return average. Deontay Johnson beat him out like the final game, week 17. Yeah, and he had less attempts as well. Yeah, less attempts as well. He just qualified, Deontay no. Johnson did, in week 17, and then – of course, he started his first game against the 49ers. Braxton Barrios did this past weekend. So let's hear from Braxton Barrios, and then we'll get into it after. Braxton, thanks a lot for doing this. Nah, thank you for having me. So I want to start off with this. You know, just following you on Instagram, seeing what you post, I feel like you're a real coffee snob. Is that true to say? Is that fair to say? Is that Huge the way you? Is that the way we treat our guests here? We call you a snob right out of the gate. <laughs> I mean. I'm high here today. Well, you think it's fair to say you're a big coffee snob? Like, where does that start from? And I get the sense that maybe in a post-NFL world, I can see Braxton Berrios just sipping some espresso over the Amalfi Coast or something. There's no doubt. I mean, you you kind of you painted a beautiful picture there. A, uh, B, it started, I guess, honestly, in Miami. Um, you know, in high school, I didn't really drink coffee. When I went to Miami, uh, you know, they, they have a bunch of Cuban coffee and, you know, coladas, cotaditos. And from there, it was just, uh, yeah, it became a thing. What's your coffee by choice? If I'm in Miami, it's a colada. Absolutely. And what is that? It's, uh, it's espresso with, um, with sugar, basically. I mean, it's, it's, it's pure electricity. <laughs> Are you Puerto Rican, Braxton? I heard that you were Puerto Rican. But yeah, so my dad's side, um, grandfather's from there. My dad, you can absolutely tell, he's half. I'm a quarter. Um, my mom is blonde hair, blue eyed, and that's that's what happened here. And so, do you speak Spanish or do you not speak Spanish? A little bit. Um, you know, I took it in school, and my whole Puerto Rican side speaks it. My dad was the, one of the only ones who didn't. Um, 
didn't continue the tradition. So I didn't learn it in house or anything. I've studied <laughs> it a little bit and, you know, whoever speaks Spanish in the facility, I try to talk to talk it as, as much as I can. And, you know, you just pick up here and there in Miami. How much time as a kid did you spend down in South Florida? Because you went to high school in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I know you were a huge Miami Hurricane fan growing up. Yeah, huge. My well, like my dad is from Miami. Uh, that really that whole side of the family is so he obviously was a Hurricanes fan. So whenever I knew what football was, I knew who the Miami Hurricanes were. And, you know, from then on, I was I was a huge Miami Hurricanes fan. And, you know, I kind of let it be known and I let it be known that that was my dream to go there and play there. Can who, you, who were your guys growing up? Um, is, uh, Jonathan Vilma just called Devin, your game the other day. Devin Hester was like hero. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's number one favorite cane ever to to watch was was that Devin Hester absolutely and can you take us through the day when you knew you were going to Miami and what that was like for you and for your family having your dad be from there growing up a fan of the Hurricanes yeah it was, it was awesome you know it, so I was an early enrollee so I actually made my commitment in October of my senior year and then you know left and you know enrolled in January but honestly, my and both my parents, they didn't care where I went. Um, obviously, I was a Miami fan, so I was biased. But I also wanted to make the best decision for me. Uh, and if it wasn't Miami, it would have you know hurt one part of me. But obviously, I, I would have thought it was what was best for me, so I would have been okay. But to be honest, my dad thought that I was going to Tennessee. Mm. Um, that was yeah, because we we had visited there right before, right after we visited Miami. And it was the weekend before I committed. And so my dad kind of thought I was, I was going to Tennessee or leaning that way. And then, you know, when I, you know, kind of told them before I made my announcement, it, uh, it was awesome. I mean, truly it was, it was a dream come true. And, um, you know, really one of probably my first major dreams in life that I could say that, you know, I, I accomplished. How the hell did NC State let you get out of Raleigh, North Carolina? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Honestly, UNC was my first offer, but NC State was one of my last. Um, <laughs> every, every school in North Carolina had, you know, eventually offered me, and NC State was probably, I think, the summer right before I committed. Um, they were, yeah, they were the last school in North Carolina to, to offer me, and yeah, I, uh, I don't know. How would you describe your career at the U? Because... Uh, first couple of years, you're making contributions, especially on special teams. But that final year, you really took off. Yeah, it uh, you know, it's football is a game of opportunities, and that's kind of what it came down to. And uh, obviously, I was I was patient enough to uh, to wait it out. And when I finally got those opportunities, um, you know, my my senior year especially, I made good on. You know, Braxton, I'm just gonna project you for a minute. I feel like you're somebody that takes pride in not only coffee, but in fashion, just based on seeing arrival <laughs> photos and whatnot. How would you describe your fashion style? You know, every day for the most part, I'm in workout clothes, I'm in sweats. You know, that's just, that's, that's, my, that's my lifestyle. So when I get a chance to dress up, I try to take some, some bit of pride into it. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I describe it. You know, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm going for GQ, you know, at some point in my life, I'm going to try to you know, reach that type of level. Uh, but, you know, I just, I kind of figure it out day by day. Do you watch Peaky Blinders? I feel like you got some Peaky Blinders style in there. I, 
I don't. I've been told to watch it. I heard it's an unreal series. Yep. But uh, but I haven't yet. But I have gotten that that uh, that that comment as well. All right. Let's go back to Miami. I want to talk some ball. What what was your last game like against Florida State in that series? And and describe. Um, you went viral before the game because you're going back and forth in that tunnel. I never seen anybody shake like that before a game. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, going into it, I was 0-3. You know, our, our class was 0-3 against Florida State. And, um, you know, obviously Florida State is Miami's rival, Miami's biggest rival, and, you know, it's, it's vice versa. And so it's kind of like, you know, in that brotherhood of Miami, you know, it's funny when, you know, we talk to Frank Gore, it's that's that's what we talk about. We talk about Miami FSU and what you did in those games. Uh, and so I, I just had a uh, I had an attitude that I was, <laughs> I, was I, I wasn't going to leave there. You know, I really wasn't. I wasn't going to leave there without a, without a win. And um, you know, it was it was an incredible game, both sides. And you know, it came down to that last possession. And at the end of the day, we found a way. And Manny Diaz picked you up yeah, after the game. Is that great I, signature shot? Yeah, my guy. It was, uh, it, I mean, it's my favorite game of my career uh, in college by far, just because of how it all played out and, you know, kind of what, what led up to it. And then I guess, you know, that kind of catapulted the rest of our season that year. What does that rivalry mean to you? Because this weekend you guys are headed to Indianapolis on Saturday, but the U plays Florida State once again. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll do all I can to watch it. I, I think I'll be able to since it's a later game. Um, yeah, I mean that. Uh, I I think that we're gonna go for four in a row. Hey, <laughs> I think we, we figured some things out, and I'm excited. Braxton, what can you tell us about Chris Hernan in college? You have any podcast acceptable stories for us? Podcast acceptable? I did not come prepared with. <laughs> That's um, fair. A great teammate, you know, he's a great friend, a uh, great student. You know, I can't say enough enough good about Chris Arnold. <laughs> oh, hey, what did you major in at Miami? And were you always in the books taking care of business as far as going way back to early days in elementary school? Yeah, so I, I majored, so I double majored. Um, I came in as an entrepreneurship major with, you know, looking to actually add another major. And then, um, honestly, the, the story behind adding finance as my second major was, I guess it was after my first semester in college, you know, we had a team meeting as a team. Um, that was rhetorical or redundant. And, uh, and basically, uh, they announced grades and I, I, had a I had straight A's that first semester. And there's this kid in my wide receiver room who's a senior. Um, and, you know, we were, we were friends for sure. We hung out and I was one of the kids who made straight A's and we walked out that day from the team meeting room and he kind of had a snarky comment. And he said, he said, yeah, try getting all A's in upper finance level classes, upper level finance classes. I said, you know what, that's a great idea. And so that week <laughs> I, I went to finance as a major and, um, and, you know, ended up kind of doing exactly what he said I probably couldn't do and getting straight A's and upper finance level classes. You were a valedictorian, weren't you, at Miami? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and after saying that, I always say I was I was never the smartest man in any room I was ever in, I promise you. Um, but my kind of, I guess my outlook is I'm, I'm a competitor 
and it really doesn't matter in what setting I'm in. You know, I didn't want anybody in that business school, anybody in my class to walk out and say that they beat me in anything. Um, so, you know, I, I did what I had to do to, to win, I guess. And it kind of, I guess it turned out you're, to be like that. You are a competitor and now you're getting some opportunities out there in the National Football League. Six catches, 59 yards against the San Francisco 49ers. Your first scoring reception of your career. What did you do with the game ball? I kept it, obviously. I kept it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it yet, but you know, it, it'll definitely, uh, it'll definitely have a place in my home. Did you watch the all 22 footage of it yet? Because I know the Jets, well, uh, the Twitter account just put out this slow-mo angle from behind Sam, kind of like a low angle. And then you see yourself come into the frame and it is sick when you really see what happened with Sam and then to deliver a ball on time to hit you in stride who just scampered right in there. No, it was an it was an incredible a escape from the pocket and b um, you know throw across his body you know across his momentum. But no, I haven't seen that angle, and I guess after this I'm gonna go try to find <laughs> it. What are you thinking when you see him scrambling out there? You're running your original route. Take us through your head, and what are maybe the rules on that play? Yeah, at the end of the day, you know the scramble drill. Um, you know it's 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 about getting open, and it's about being friendly to the quarterback. Uh, you know, one of the things normally you don't do is uh, you don't go back across the middle or kind of away from momentum. But, you know, I think there's a, at, at some level you play ball and the middle of the field was open and he saw what I saw. And like I said, I mean, he made an, an incredible throw. What have you taken from Jameson Crowder here? Uh, you know, you've been here for a couple of years now, but obviously he's hurt. But he's one of the better slot targets in the National Football League. How much have you enjoyed working with him? A ton. I mean, he's more more than a teammate. He's a friend, and we really we we have open dialogue every day um, about you know everything we're watching, everything we're doing, and kind of just picking up and learning from each other and seeing how the other person sees it. Because obviously, he's been in this league for I guess this is year six for him, uh, and he's had a lot of success in it. So obviously, there's a lot of things that he he has experienced and he knows that I can learn from. And so it is. It's an open dialogue, and it's been a great relationship. Braxton, what can you tell us about your rookie year in New England? What was that year like for you? You spent most of it on IR. Uh, if Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong there, but was there a learning experience there that you take away and look upon now and say, you know what, that actually might have kind of helped me? Yeah, you know, obviously you, you play football to play football, you know, and so being on IR, it's uh, – you know, for, for a year, for an extended amount of time, it's, you, you get a lot of time to kind of, uh, you know, reflect and, you know, figure a few things out and kind of slows down. And it's a weird, it's a very weird time. And um, at the end of the day, I, I did, I, I made, I made the best of it. And I, I did, I, I learned so much just from, I mean, from so many different standpoints, you know, just taking a step back and being able to, to watch a lot of different things and how they happen. And, um, you know, there was there was a load of lessons that I uh, I walked out of that year with. How about some system uh, uh, similarities? Adam Gase always talks about, yeah, what Josh runs there in New England. It's similar to some of the concepts we have here. Yeah, um, you know, I'm not one to compare and contrast offenses. It's a little above my pay grade, but uh, but yeah, there there are some similarities. And at the end of the day, this is a this is a copycat league, and I think. You know, everybody takes pieces from everybody's offense and figure out what's works. And um, and, th and that's what you see kind of across the whole league. As somebody that's one of the 
best punt returners last year. From an average standpoint, you had a great year last year. No sugarcoating it. What's the biggest misconception about special teams, in particular punt return? You know, I, I don't really know. I think that I think it, it, we make it a priority here. Uh, I think every every team I've been on has made it a priority. Um, you know, and talking about Miami as well. So, you know, I, I don't know what misconceptions there really could be. It's, I mean, it's a third of the game. It's a crucial part of the game, and it's a part that affects field position. And, you know, you see the statistics on field position, and if you win that battle, uh, you know, it's, it's a higher percentage chance that you win the game. So, uh, I mean, we, we, take it, we take it to heart. But do you have to be a little bit crazy to say, I'm going to be a returner? <laughs> I, I, I think there has to be one or two screws loose, absolutely, <laughs> To um, self-inflict that uh, that that role on yourself, but I mean, truly, I, I love it. It's 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 an adrenaline rush that I have never been able to replicate, and um, you know, I, I love doing it. Braxton, what do you want to do after your NFL career? Because to your points earlier, valedictorian, very smart guy. Even though you you'll say that you're never the smartest guy in the room. Do you have any post-career aspirations that you know of right now? Oh, before you answer that, I just got to say you probably are the smartest guy in the room right now because I think our producer, Frank Lazar, is about eight feet away from you. <laughs> <laughs> in, in this room I'm in, is, I'm actually the only person in it. So, <laughs> the person in this room. Um, but, no, I, I, I truly believe doors open when you need them to in life. And... Uh, you know, I have a lot of ideas that, that I float around that, um, you know, I talk about here or there and that I can see myself. But, you know, this is my, my, my dream in life has been to go into the NFL and play in the NFL. And I'm living it right now. So I think it'd be a disservice to kind of, um, you know, look too far ahead right now. And, you know, I'm in year three and, uh, you know, getting the, the chances and opportunities that, you know, I'm you know, blessed to have right now. So uh, I have a few ideas, but, you know, nothing nothing set in stone, nothing that I'm uh, really working on at the time. For a kid who grew up in Carolina, I know you spent a lot of time in Miami. What are the most significant differences between Miami and New York? Oh, boy. Wow. Um, <laughs> the weather, for sure. Yeah, weather. yeah exactly. The weather is, is, is a big one. And, I mean, it's both are, you know, inter international cities. Uh, but there's a famous saying that we always used to say in Miami. It's like, if you don't like Miami, go back to America because it, it's true. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's, it's its own little world. Um, but obviously, I, I love New York as well. You know, the, the snow's great. Uh, the first one, at least, you know, it's pretty. It's nice. And then uh, then it starts to get a little too cold for me. Um, but, you know, it, there's there's special things about them both. And, you know, I, I like being between the two cities. You're, would you consider yourself more of an urban guy, though? Like you like different cities in America and internationally if you've been uh, over the sea here? Have I been, you said overseas? Yeah, have you, like do you just enjoy cities in general? Like whether it's Miami, New York, and then whatever, yeah, I, if you've ever I, been overseas. Um, being from Raleigh, North Carolina, you know, I, I also kind of love that that slower, you know, suburban living as well. Um but I do. I, I love I love traveling and getting out and experience new new things, new people, new cultures. You know, I think that's uh, that's a big part of life. Just um, you know, expanding your horizon. And we talked about your style a little bit. So, who's bringing on game day from a Jets perspective as far as styles in your opinion, other than Braxton Berrios? I, I saw Joe Flacco. Um, oh, really? Oh, sleeper. We won. Joe Flacco brought 
brought it. He brought it. <laughs> plaid suit, well put together. I, yeah, he, he brought it. So I, there wasn't a huge sample size of that week. And then, you know, home games is a little bit different. Um, you don't see everybody walking in or what they're wearing. So it'll be interesting to see come week three what uh, who brings the heat. What was he wearing? It, it was a, it was like a plaid suit and it was pretty. It was like a it was like a purple. He had nice brown dress mm-hmm. shoes. I mean, he, he did it right. Joe Flacco, he, he did it right. That's a 35-year-old quarterback, a f- uh, former Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, he, he, he brings it. Yeah, he you know, he's got a good <laughs> closet. Yeah, he knows something. Okay, I, I got one last question for you on my end before we wrap things up. I have to ask you about your Instagram post where, one, you kind of chirped at Madden saying that they gave you 50 in strength. And two, we had somebody else on the podcast earlier this year. I don't remember who. And we were talking to him, and he, he said that you just look like a different person from the end of last season to the start of this offseason. So what the hell did you do this offseason? Well, I, I did think it was disrespectful. Like, it was a 50, <laughs> you know, like a 50. And I'm not saying I should be an 80 by any means, but a 50 is tough. Uh, but honestly, I did the same thing that I normally do in the off season, but the difference was COVID, right? So normally you go into an off season, you kind of, you know, you take a few weeks, a month off, let your body recover a little bit, and then you get into it, but then you have to report back to your team, you know, mid April, and then you go through that OTA process and you have five weeks and then you enter into camp. So there's a lot of like different blocks and things that you have to do. So when you report for OTAs, you're on the team schedule and, you know, the team strength program and like all those other things, which are great. Absolutely. But this was a little bit different because of COVID. I had from January to late July to work on exactly what I needed to work on for myself. And I was fortunate enough to where, you know, I I had access to to whatever I needed at any point in time throughout that whole thing, which a lot of people didn't. And I took, I took full advantage of it. So, you know, I had, I had seven months to, to work on myself and figure out where I needed to improve on and um, to work out essentially and to be in better condition. So that's, that's what I did. And I've never had seven months of, of straight training to the way I needed to and the way I believed I needed to. And I think that was a product of that. Well, that all sounds well and good, but what <laughs> is your favorite gym day? Which is the gym day that you have the most motivation? And also, conversely, what is the one that you dread? You know, I, I love leg day. I really do. Um, you know, football's played from the ground, obviously, you know, it's, especially in my position. You know, I'm, I'm not no lineman. I'm not a D lineman. I don't press people off of me 24-7. So I, I'm a big leg day guy. Uh, I hate any conditioning on like an assault bike or like stationary. Like I'll run, I'll sprint, I'll do all that all day. But any like the assault bike is by far the worst, most miserable conditioning of all. Um, and then I love cardio as like I love boxing for cardio. That was a big thing that that I did last off season and this one as well that uh, that I think made a made a difference. All right. Well, get after some coffee and get after the gym. And thanks a lot for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks, Braxton. Thanks for having me on. Have fun. EA Braxton Berrios on that touchdown, his first pro touchdown. I know we talked about it, but that throw I don't think is getting enough attention from Sam Darnold. I know that at the time it was a blowout. The Jets were losing by a lot. But that throw is sick and should be getting 
more attention. Well, it's amazing. The Jets are only averaging 15 points a game right now, and unfortunately, 0 and 2. So, and they got a, a lot to fix. But yeah, there aren't a lot of guys who can move to the left after escaping a sack and throw a rope. 30 yards down the field. He's moving to his left. He's a right-handed quarterback. <laughs> and uh, Berrios makes a nice adjustment there, but y- you can't throw it any better. Uh, Adam Gase has always told me there's a difference between accuracy and ball placement. Mm-hmm. This ball placement was off the chart there. Yeah, I think – do you think that was – if you had to say off the top of your head without looking at every single Sam Darnold throw, is that top two throw of his career, maybe top three? I don't know because there was an incompletion against the 49ers that was pretty damn impressive as well. And that happened inside the red zone where I had visions of Baltimore last year when he threw that strike to Jameson Crowder. And this one specifically I'm talking about, he's pressured right, sprinting right, and he threw a laser to Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon makes that catch nine times out of ten, but – that was fantastic, and that was an incompletion. Yeah, I think also that throw, the Barrios touchdown, kind of reminded me last year against the Raiders rolling to his left. Mm. He had some room to run, and then he threw it. But then on the flip side, I think this is where you, you will like to see the growth of Sam Darnold moving forward. Week one against the Bills, he kind of did the same thing, that, but unfortunately it resulted in a Matt Milano interception. Yeah, yeah forcing the issue to Jameson Crowder. I think what Jets fans are going to see right now, not only against the 49ers, but moving forward, if Jamison Crowder continues to be out, is that Braxton Berrios is a good football player, and we watched him throughout camp. He had a very good camp. The reason why he wasn't on the field in week one is because Jamison Crowder's getting seven catches from the slot position for 100-plus yards. The Jets have dealt with so many injuries, the wide receiver position. You go back to camp. Vincent Smith, Jeff Smith, Denzel Mims, Brashad Perryman. Uh, who else am I missing here? I'm missing somebody. Well, the name's escaping me, well, too. Chris Hogan went out of the lineup just for a little bit in, in week two. Um, but you thought early on this season that it was going to be Denzel Mims, Brashad Perryman, Jameson Crowder, and that never came to fruition. So now you're going to go into Indianapolis and see what happens, but – uh, Berrios made some plays against the 49ers, and so did Chris Hogan. So uh, let's see what the Jets have in store for an Indianapolis defense that you told me before we came on the air here. They're number one in the NFL as far as yards allowed. Yeah, they're number one against the pass, too. And we'll see, we'll monitor the status, obviously, of Perriman. Hogan, I think, is supposed to be fine. Yep. Uh, Crowder, of course, a big one there. But to Adam Gase's point, let's just wrap up on Berrios in particular, Adam Gase says that he feels extremely lucky that he has two players that he feels could start in the NFL. But to your point, it's tough to get them both on the field at the same time. Adam Gase said this. I thought it was very interesting that he said, we develop plays for Braxton every week, but it's just difficult to get Crowder and Berrios on the field at the same time. Yeah, listen, and you could say some of those catches came late, but bottom line is he had six catches against the 49ers. Darnold already has a good rapport with him, I would say. And he's tough, too. There, was, there were a couple catches against San Francisco where you would think a small guy is going to catch the ball and get down. He's always looking to go upfield and mm-hmm. get more yards. And 
you heard it from him during the interview. I hope people at home appreciated that. Is He's got an edge. He's a nice guy, but he is also the guy who's carried this with him throughout his life that, ah, Braxton Berrios, just a small guy, plays slot receiver, whatever. And he just has continued to prove people wrong throughout his life. I love that story about him walking out of a meeting and a fellow hurricane telling him, yeah, well, oh, yeah, well, that major's not that difficult. And he's like, well, I'll pick up your major, too. <laughs> I think that gives good insight as to the competitor of Braxton Berrios and who he is. And that's all we have here on this edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. We'll see you next week.